So encouraging this uh, relaxed attentiveness, openness, sense of resting and openness. There's nothing to protect, nothing to defend. You don't have to become anything or get rid of anything. All this sense of having to get something you don't have yet or getting rid of the faults and negative things that you see in yourself, in your mind. All that falls away. No longer the struggle. This need to control, protect, defend, deny. So when I reflect in this way, then I then I just recognize a very natural awareness, a sense of relief, because uh, you know it's it is the suffering of human individuals. It's all around having to get something or do something, something incomplete, inadequate, unenlightened, unfulfilled, something wrong with oneself. And so we struggle, you know, the human condition, all the melodramas uh, in our own minds and in the society we live in around, this struggle, trying to hold on, trying to control, get rid of, trying to become, attain and achieve, fear of failure, resentments about injustices, unfairnesses. But in this uh, awareness, <coughs> mindfulness, satisampachanya, satipanya, we're not getting rid of that. We're not trying to get rid of getting rid of. That's a, that's a catch-22 problem, isn't it? Like trying to get rid of whippa wadanha, desire to get rid of, isn't it? You're just caught in a trap. We've got to get rid of desire. Get rid of. We've got to get rid of gamadana, sense desire. Uh, we've got to get rid of sexual desires. That's the problem. The holy life, celibate life, sexual desire is. We've got to get rid of it. Control it. Get it under control. Strong force. We can make it into a problem, you know, my problem, my sexual desires, and uh, make it, in, you know, we can become obsessed with guilt and fear and, and uh, trying to deny control the sexual <coughs> energy that the body produces. So we can read into, you know, scriptural teaching, I mean, get rid of sexual desire, but that's not what it says. If you, if you contemplate the Four Noble Truths in the, the, the teaching, the, the essential teaching of the Buddha, the first sermon, it's not about getting rid of, it's letting go of. And that means letting go of your identity with it. I mean, the biggest attachment we form is identifying with it. It's mine. This is my problem, and then it becomes complicated. You know, we, we def- culturally we're conditioned to see it in terms of 
of uh, you know various cultural attitudes about sexuality can appear dirty or sacred or something you should only do uh, for procreation or something you should explore ad infinitum. <laughs> I mean, one can ha- look at it in so many different ways. But in terms of sati sampachanya, it is, you know, it's like this, kamadana, or sense desire, not only applies to sexual desire, but sense sensual desire through sight, sound, smell, taste, touch. Now, there's nothing wrong with sense desire or sexual desire or... It's not, nothing wrong with it unless we, we, we project onto it ideas about it being bad or dirty or coarse or inferior ways that uh, monks or nuns or samanas can regard sensuality as kind of gross or evil or dangerous. But we're creating those judgments, aren't we? These are human judgments about natural conditions. And oftentimes culturally, you know, condition. We're brought up in various religious perceptions and attitudes, values, moral values and that, that uh, we project onto the conditions we experience within the human form. And so we, you know, it's right or wrong, good or bad, accordingly, according to the conditioning. But with awareness, we begin to, we're getting behind the conditioning process. We're not operating from a conditioned position. Really contemplate sati sampachanya isn't conditioned. You're not operating from a position or a condition anymore. It's not not a created state that you have to hold on to and sustain. It's uh, dhamma. It's tamachat. It's ordinary. It's just we're not used to. To being mindful and 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 that we're not used to being enlightened and seeing in this in this direct way. We're what we're used to is being ignorant, (coughs) being caught up in our views, opinions, passions, desires that are all that and the conditions, the the attitudes, the fears and and that that we have regarding this that have been culturally programmed socially conditioned into us. So sense desire is like this. When living the Buddhist monastic mode, we've chosen this way of living, which is is not a, a, you know, a, a condemnation of sensory pleasures, sensual pleasures. It's simplification. You know, the Buddha made it very clear in the first sermon, there's the Machima Bhattipata, middle way, and so it's gamma sukalikanu yoko is the where we just seek sensual pleasure is one extreme. Happiness, see, always seeking happiness through the senses and the mind is one extreme. It's not bad. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's an extremity that you can't sustain pleasure and and sensory happiness 
for very long it's momentary. So you, you have moments of sensory delight and pleasure and things like that, and then you you just want more of it. But because but you can't, it it's non it doesn't sustain itself. So we become addicted to pleasure. What is addiction? You know, but something pleasurable we remember and we and that memory w means we want to have it again. Because that's how it works in my mind. Remember something pleasant. I want to I want to have another pleasant experience or hap happy experience or rapturous experience. The other extreme, Atakilamatana Yok Yoko, which is the you know, ascetic denial, rejection, control, uh, all sensory activity, sensual pleasure is is uh, dangerous. You can't give in to any pleasurable feelings or happiness. Tends towards asceticism, denial, control, rejection of the sensory world. So you you don't eat any food, or you eat uh, nettles and and hair shirts, and beat yourself with a whip because you 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 to kind of get into kind of get rid of sexual desire, or I mean all these kind of crazy things that that ascetics have done. <laughs> They fight off the the attraction and the control, the the tendency towards seeking happiness and pleasure. But this is, and so the ascetic Gotama, because uh, after the Prince Siddhartha years, after being it was more on the Gamasukalikana Yoka side of life, I, I assume, being brought up in uh, pleasant conditions of high social status and and talk about the musicians and had a wife, a child, all the beautiful robes, everything, the pleasures, sense pleasures. Then the other extreme, ascetic Gotama, denial, fasting, controls. And then uh, then the Tamajaka Pavatana Sutta is about the middle way, the Matjima Bhatibhata. So Buddhist monasticism to me is a very, you know, it's not asceticism, even though to uh, most people in this society, it looks very ascetic, you know, being brahmacharya and not eating dinner to a lot of people in, in England is a real, you know, real asceticism. But uh, as we know, it's not, it's no problem, is it? Glad they don't have to eat dinner now because enough enough already with the allowance allowed meals that we have so i see the monastic life sangha life as simplification it makes life simple you know simplifying life because you can see that society now is complicated modern life and stress is the is the uh, word you hear you know the echoing background of stress and exhaustion and that the people, you know, with all their marvelous inventions to relieve stress, create more stress. So rather than seeing Buddhist monasticism as denial and control, see it as simplification. That's a, that's a mode of looking at this life that we're living. It is very simple. 
when you when you uh, when you see it in the when you're not taking it as, as some kind of personal uh, in some personal way about having to control your sex drive and have to deny yourself things and seeing it in in highly charged terms of of uh, having to give up things, control things, get things, get rid of things. But then the, the bhavadana is oftentimes the problem with meditators. Bhavadana, desire to attain and achieve, to become. Bhava means becoming. Desire, dana, bhavadana. Isn't it? We are ambitious or we want to become enlightened. We want to attain jhanas. We want to achieve purity. Uh, we want to, you know, so there's this uh, ambitions or <coughs> based on very good things, you know, high-minded, altruistic <coughs> goals of being enlightened, being pure, being good. Being enlightened, all these are very good. These aren't bad, all that. They're they're beautiful ideals. But then the the bhavadana form. So our meditation practice can be done through bhavadana. You know, we're here sitting here in order to get something. Get or or then the vipavadana. Vipava is a not becoming, trying to get rid of or deny. Denial, rejection, resistance, suppression, whippawa. So the word bawa, but it's a negation of bawa. Trying to control, isn't it? Not trying to control things. So we want to get rid of, say, negative thoughts, uh, sexual desire, uh, get rid of uh, anger, and uh, get rid of fear and loneliness and unhappiness and resentment and on and on like this. So, And this is also this kind of righteous, you know, it seems right to, to get rid of anger, doesn't it? That seems like the right thing to be doing because anger is bad, isn't it? It's, it's, it's not socially approved of, generally speaking. Here, how many of you feel free to just get angry? Don't you feel embarrassed when you do? You know, because you know it's uh, when you show anger in front of everybody, isn't it embarrassing? <laughs> it is for me. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not socially kind of admired, you know. Say, and in front of the lay people, they say they're Buddhists. And they get angry, <laughs> and then you know, people get very upset. I've, I've lost my faith in the Buddhists. I saw Ajahn Sumedho get angry. They're not supposed to get angry. Ajahn Sumedho is supposed to be like the Buddha Rupa. That's projection, isn't it? When people want, want us to to fulfill their their ideals, you know the perfect samana, you know, calm, like a Buddha Rupa, like Kuan Yin, you know, want the nuns all to be like Kuan Yin, serene, beautiful, receptive, loving. And so this is, you know, this, and one would like to be so, you know, and it's not that I don't want to have that, 
you know, the equanimity, the perpetual uh, equanimity of a Buddha Rupa. <laughs> but that's not the way it is, is it? Human bodies like this, not made out of bronze or marble or anything like that. It's this is this way we've got to live with, with these forms, uh, human bodies, you know, nerves and feeling and blood and kind of leaky liquids and all kinds of things that that that, are, that Buddha Rupas don't have to put up with. Then we have our own, what we might call our own karmas. You know, why why am I different from, why do I look different from Ajahnyanarato? Why can't he and I or Sister Sanjita, why can't we all be look the same, be the same size, the same nose type, the same? <laughs> <laughs> and so then we, why are we all different? And why do we have different ways of reacting, different, different um, tendencies, per personal or individual tendencies? Why can't we all just be? You know, like a like something manufactured out of a factory. You know, like these tin soldiers. Every one is exactly like the next, because this is the, the way things are. This, the conditioned realm, is about variation, difference, contrast. Listen, this is the conditioned realm. It's not about producing the same condition over and over again. But it's it's uh, all these conditions have variations. They're changing from one extreme to the next, through sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought, feeling. So uh, th in this term of karma then, vipaka uh, karma, whatever you're feeling now, whatever your personal inclination or preferences or tendencies are, you know, we're, we're awakened to them in terms of conditions rather than uh, identities. So this is putting us into that mode of puto, the the knowing of the Dhamma. Puto tamo. Being this pure subjectivity, this pure knowing. And the Dhamma then is, whatever your tendencies might be, you know, whether they're socially acceptable or not, good or bad, coarse, refined, or whatever, from the point of Dhamma, they are conditioned phenomena, and and we're, we're, we're awakening to their changingness, to anicca dukkanata, rather than being dazzled or repelled or judgmental because of the quality of the condition one is experiencing, emotional, intellectual, physical, whatever. So within the Sangha, you know, we have <coughs> we have the individuals, we have the community, and the individuals in the community, and then we have in then the, the differences, the different commas arise and cease, tendencies, attitudes, prejudices, views, opinions. We're very international too, so we've got you know we've got different cultural attitudes or conditions or expectations but that doesn't matter because it's not it's not a matter of one culture being superior to the neck to another it's just 
recognizing all conditions, being the knowing rather than the personal judge and the in this this belonging to this group or this culture or this class or whatever, then we then we're back in the Bhavadanha, Vipavadanha uh, delusions. So again, I emphasize that dhanha or desire is something we study. No, you know, know these things in terms when they, you know, in terms of your of direct experience, not just know about them through reading books or listening to me, but observe, you know. I know Whipple would done her. And see, you know, see this a lot resist tendency to resist certain things, deny, wanting to control things, out of fear, you know, wanting uh, this, uh, you know, I can recognize this force that goes through my consciousness, or Bawadanha, that my my spiritual aspirations, wanting to become. So in monastic life, you know, wanting to become enlightened, you know, dedicated my life to Buddhist monasticism. So when I start thinking in this way, what if I achieved, you know, 40 years as a Buddhist monk? You know, and then the personal personal thing, doesn't it? The, the ego thinks wants, wants to... If you've spent 40 years living this life... You know, hope it wasn't a waste of time. You meet people who are enlightened just through, you know, they've got wives and and all and and beautiful houses and drive Ferraris. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they they did it the fun way. <laughs> but is that you know is that you know, do I really want want that? Is that what I would really like to have done? And and then when uh, you know, because of the monastic training, the way of simplification, you know, instead of envying, it's more or less just appreciating. Is the value of Buddhist monasticism is its contentment and uh, being, you know, not having money. You don't realize what a great privilege it is not to have any money, not to own a a Ferrari. You have to think about those things when you own them. <laughs> you know, and have beautiful homes in exotic places or endless, you know, having bound yourself in marriage to some other person, you know, you've got always the, the, the problems that arise. And do, do I envy that? Or the simplicity of monasticism. Now this is just reflecting. I'm not trying to put down, uh, you know, one and raise up the other. It just uh, this is how I'm reflecting in how I see it. You know, the feeling I have toward monasticism. The result of being a Buddhist monk for 40 years is contentment, peacefulness, insight. You know, one feels. You know that that this this has been a wonderful. I feel my life as a Buddhist monk has been a great opportunity and honor. It's an it's such an honorable way to live. 
because it is, you know, includes p- others. You know, you're you're dependent on others, and people, like lay people, they that brings them happiness to to be able to offer things, to include them in our lives, not just shut everything out, shut the world away. So, uh, alms mendicancy has this has this quality of including. We need we need each other. We need the lay community. We need, you know, that we uh, just basic needs, not on a personal kind of emotional level, but, but just for physical survival. So it's not like emotional dependency on, but the, the dependency that is just part of being human. Ba- needing, you know, what food, shelter, robes, medicine for survival. So then the uh, sense of gratitude and and contentment is a result of forty years. It's, a, it's a, in itself. It's just very peaceful to be contented and not feel you have to get things or control things or get rid of things. And being, uh, you know, being senior monk here at Amravati, it taken on a personal level. You know, my ego, my personality, tends to make problems out of being senior monk. Because this is a this is a position, isn't it? A, a position in a group, and of course it it means that I'm the the most senior monk, the the, the abbot. The, and so forth, have these titles, great responsibilities and duties, an upachai, a preceptor, a tanjau kun in Thailand. I've got, you know, I'm a titled monk. <laughs> <laughs> now, in terms of, you know, this is, this is, uh, you know, how to to accept all this without being attached to it. And that's, of course, back to sati-sampachanya. Taken on a personal level, it becomes burdensome. To have responsibilities is a burden. To be an upachaya, to be a chanjyakun, to be a, a teacher, and on and on like this, is personally, on a personal level, I tend to make this into a burden. This is my personal tendency through the ego. Because there's something in me that, that just like to run away from it all, not to have responsibilities, to live a, a you know, more quiet life, more hermetic life, uh, to kind of very simple life, and then I think, well, I've got my Chowkun, I'm a Upachaya, I'm a Ajahn teacher, abbot, I'm on the internet, books, and so forth. I never write them, but they get people published, these things I say. Now, taken on a, on a Sakyaditi level, you know, Taken through Sakyaditi at my age, that that's you know one one can be quite you know it would be quite a burden. 
Because this is the age you re- I should be retired. You know, you th- if you're a lay person, you get retired at 65. <laughs> but Sangaraj of Thailand is 95 or something, and they still keep him propping him up. <laughs> they won't let him go, you know, no matter until the death. <laughs> But uh, I mean that's the way the system works. But taken say on the Sakya Ditti level, you know, what is it you know, how do I what is my ego, the sense of me and mine and position and and rank and all these things, what does that you know, what does that do to my consciousness? So there's this uh, investigation, you know, this awareness, the puto seeing the Dhamma seeing a, you know, attachment to these perceptions. Because these are ways of looking at, at, at experiences and through, I'm the, the head monk of this monastery, is one way of looking at life here at Amravati. And, and that's fair enough, you know, that, that has a certain uh, importance to it. It's not to deny it or reject it, but recognize it is merely one way of looking and, and not to attach to it. To attach to it means that that I carry it around, it becomes burdensome because I, I see myself always in terms of being somebody special or being senior or being responsible. And and that if and if you don't get behind that, then it is burdensome to to uh, to be so in such a uh, in such a position. You know, it gets tiresome on the ego level. I just want to be an ordinary, you know, I don't want to be special, as the whinging tomato can say. You don't quite like being special sometimes. It's very nice to be important person. Other times it's dreary to be, uh, you know, I always feel you have to be somebody special or you're always looked at as some, some kind of important person. It can be a real can be really irritating. Other times it's very pleasant. <laughs> you know, so it's not a matter of it's the same thing over and over again. But the awareness, you see, is is the refuge, not the position. Not to carry burdens. And yet for one can fulfill these duties quite easily if you you know, without making them into personal identities, <coughs> or creating them into problems, or resenting them. So this is where we get to the root, you know, looking at the causes of suffering, attachment to desire, to these three kinds of desire. And so these desires, you know, they're, they're part of one's karma, the, 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 the way things are on this planet, on this, in this sense realm. And so this desire is to be known, to be studied. It's well, we have insight into the second noble truth. I- insight into the causes of suffering doesn't mean we get rid of, we de- annihilate desire. It's not that I've annihilated, you know, and kind of totally wiped out desire because I would have would be very discontented because I haven't. <laughs> but it's a, re- a knowing knowing desire, these energies, desire, gama dana, bhava dana, vipuva dana, 
study them in, in, in the reality of them, when not just abstractly through thinking, intellectually, but observing in your own experience here in Amravati, you know, the Gamadana, Bhavadana, Vipavadana. Take an interest in it and being the puto, seeing the Dhamma, rather than somebody uh, that has to, you know, that forms opinions and views about your desires or your tendencies. So, Gamadana is like this, Bhavadana is like this, Vipavadana is like this. It's not saying they're good, bad, or they're mine, or should, or shouldn't, but you know them. You know, you say you, you just recognize them <laughs> through intuitive, this intuitive intelligence. It's non-judgmental, it's not, not as soon as you claim it as some, my problem, my personal problem, my desire, good desires or bad, or my these desires that I have are not very good for a monk or a nun to have such desires. It's disgusting. Uh, then it becomes judgmental, doesn't it? It's it, you're, you're judging it from the ego again. Sakyaditi operates, takes you over. So I mean, whatever the desire might be, even if it's maniacal or whatever, <laughs> it's not the issue. You know whether how high or low your desires are. Your interest in the in the in knowing that energetic experience of dana, sensory experience through the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, mind. And so being the knowing is this uh, puto puru. It's pure subjective knowing. And in the subjective, it's not personal subject. It's not me knowing but it's knowing. And so then consciousness itself, when I talk about the unity of consciousness, it's unitive, meaning it's one. It's not, it's not you know, where we tend to see consciousness in through Sakyaditi, that my consciousness and your consciousness are separate. This is where we investigate consciousness, not through, not through, trying to find it, but, but recognizing it. Like this consciousness then, the, the, the sati sampachanya is the, is the gate to this recognition because the self dissolves in it. The separate self, ajahn sumato and all that, dissolve. It, it, doesn't, it, can't, it doesn't sustain itself. Being head monk or Jaukun, or it all ceases, it all dissolves in consciousness. When there's no Tanjaukun, no Jawawat, no abbot, no preceptor, when all these things have ceased, there's still consciousness. There's Sati Sampachanya, Ajahn Sumedho ceases, Lumpa Sumedho ceases, everything ceases, and there's still consciousness. And then if I see you, like Ajanyanarato, then I start thinking, he's like this, Sister Santajita, she's like this. Then, then, then I start thinking, I create these perceptions in consciousness. So I'm still conscious, but I'm, I'm attached to the perception. So there's a sense of separation, isn't it? 
it feels separate then because the, the now I'm I'm looking at the differences you know the different forms and the perceptions and feelings that arise from that but if I trust in awareness then I can be aware of that not make any problems around the differences or the condition so getting this this insight into unity or oneness ekagata you know and talk about ekagata or one pointedness oneness is uh is this is the awareness itself there's no england no thailand no america or anything <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, these arise and cease, these perceptions, but there's still consciousness when there's no England, no Thailand. So we're noting this. This, this, this is natural, isn't it? I'm not. This isn't. I'm not creating illusions. It's just recognizing something quite ordinary, simple. Then, uh, then I can deal with the differences much better because I've got perspective. I'm not committed to delusions, or you know, I can see see things in a different way from the puto position rather than from the sakyaditi position. From the sakyaditi position, then it all becomes complicated. I'm the preceptor. I. <laughs> I'm now 72 years old. I'm uh, uh, the kind of sense of me and what I like and what I think and my preferences and my opinions, they'll take over. But if I'm, if I rest in Puto, Puru, then that Sakiditi doesn't, doesn't grow. It still can arise, but it has no, no foot it. No uh, foothold in consciousness. You don't. You don't make it into anything. You're not suppressing it. I'm not trying to get rid of Sakya Ditti either. I'm nothing against Sakya Ditti, but it's it is something that arises and ceases. It's the you know the sense of me and feelings about myself, preferences I have personally tendencies that I have personally and things like this. But the but the refuge is Puto rather than Sakyaditi. So see contrast that, the Puto, if we are, we all take refuge in Buddha, then the personal differences aren't particularly they're, they're no problem. But if we're taking positions personally, then there are endless problems and difficulties personally and on the conventional level because there's so many different perspectives or ways of looking at things so many uh, personal preferences and prejudices and fears and goes on that's why the world is a, such a mess because they, they don't they have no refuge outside of their own personal view or opinion or prejudice so then, uh, Bhutto is this, and it's uh, knowing Sakyaditi. Well, Sakyaditi can't know Bhutto, can it? <laughs> Sakyaditi can kind of delude itself, saying, I'm the Buddha, I'm the Bhutto, and things like that. And then, 
But that doesn't, you know, that, that's just more sakyaditi. It's not, it's, it, it's not a matter of can only convince yourself you're the Buddha. But in, in seeing the, the nature of conditioned phenomena, seeing the sakyaditi, not judging it, some of it's very nice, you know, very positive qualities, personal qualities. You know, some very good qualities as well as not very good qualities <laughs> on the Sakyaditi level, because that's the range of co- quality, isn't it? You know, selfishness to altruism, self-sacrifice, goodness, generosity, joyfulness, beauty, or, you know, jealousy, envy, worry, anxiety, despair, the whole range of Sakyaditi qualities, being the knowing of that, is Bhutto Tammo. When you take refuge in Sakyaditi, then you, you're becoming someone all the time who's happy or unhappy or frightened or brave or generous or mean-hearted or whatever, you know, changes. So Sakyaditi is to be recognized, not to, not to be judged. And Sila uh, this, uh, this one, this second fetter, this uh, I put under the category of cultural conditioning, social conditioning. So it's the way we, we kind of assume things through the conditioning of our of, you know, that we've acquired from our parents, from our ethnic identity, national identity, class identity, gender identity. It's all this, this co- social conditioning, cultural conditioning, or religious identity. We can, Thila Bhattabharamasa can be around being, being a Buddhist. You know, we can become, we can think Buddhism is better than Christianity or things like that. <laughs> that that's more like Sakyaditi. But I mean, we, if, you know, if we're brought up in a partic- as a Buddhist, then we can easily culturally assume all kinds of things from, from that kind of perception. Or brought up as a Christian or a Jew, or whatever. Then these there's this cultural, isilabhatabharmasa, attitudes, biases, uh, oftentimes quite unconscious attitudes of that we acquire when we're very young. You know, the, the just certain cultural prejudices. The attitude of being English and observing the French. And just the European cultural tendencies of looking at Germans or Italians from a cultural condition attitude. These are, these are, you know, we all have our certain cultural biases that are part of the cultural conditioning process. But then we can see this, you know, observing. There's nothing, we're not judging it, just recognizing 
cultural biases, class identities, and so forth are like this. So that's puto, seeing the Dhamma, knowing Dhamma. Then the michikicca is uh, doubt, and that is through attachment to thinking, trying to figure it all out through analysis, through thought, through definition. You end up with Wichikicha every time. You know, start, start thinking about, am I really free from defilements and doubting? Or uh, can I ever become enlightened? Is doubt, uh, who am I? Is doubt, uh, am I a Sotapanna yet? Is doubt, uh, is this the right path? Is, is Ajahn Sumato right or is he just rubbish and nonsense? Doubt. Or <laughs> doubt about yourself, you know. I, I don't think I can do it. You, you can project on me again. Ajahn Sumato, he's he's a you know he's he's got all these Burmese and he's and that's what I used to do to Lung Po Ajahn Chah. He doesn't have the problems I do. He's probably born much more in a pure state than I was. You know, this is. And so, because you tend to exalt the teacher. And then, when you get to know Lung Po Cha, he went, you know, he talks about his training, early life, and difficulties, and it's very human, you know. You realize it's, there's not that much difference in any of us. It's not that, that we start out, you know, I start, out, start my life out in some kind of more purified form than you. That's, if you think that, that's your creation. That's not Dhamma. You know, so this is not to 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 assume, you know, that you're somebody or seeing yourself as somebody who can't do it. Sometimes that's the way it feels, you know, we feel despair in our practice or hopelessness or things like this. But this is uh, the awareness of these mental states. That's the that's developing the path. So even when you're feeling despair about your practice, the, rea- the the path is always present just through awakening to that sense of me being being disappointed or despairing is like this. So you see what I mean? This puto puto tamo relationship. It's a it's it's a different. Uh, Perception, way of looking, a different mode of looking at reality. Where the personal, the Sakyaditi level, Silabhattabharamasa, the analytical level, the thinking level, is culturally fraught, you know, with modern scientific biases, assumptions, religious assumptions, uh, you know, just being brought up in a Christian you know, there's all kinds of Christian assumptions in I see in my in my Silabhattabharamasa. Because I was brought up in a Christian family. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's just noticing how what the cultural biases or assumptions I make when I start thinking and judging, making judgments, moral judgments or value judgments. It's, you know, you can see the the bias. 
that you've acquired through your religious or maybe atheists. Maybe you're brought up as atheists or whatever. But it, it is, is Sila Bhattabaramasa, Sakya Ditti Vitikita. So then the awareness is not cultural, not even Buddhist. <laughs> it's Dhamma. It's the way it is, you know. And the word Dhamma is uh, is just a convenient term to point. It's not something you something you've got to get. It's just it's a word to remind yourself. Puto tammo sankho. The third refuge is is you. Not on a sakyaditi level of me. I'm a senior monk here. <laughs> It's not that kind of sangha. It's uh, you know, it's uh, the four pairs, the eight kinds of noble beings. That that sounds a bit funny too, doesn't it? But that means the knowing, isn't it? The refuge in in the human individual, human community, knowing the Dhamma, and it's not no longer just our sangha as opposed to somebody else's or or you know. Tibetan Sangha or Theravada Sangha or that kind of stuff, then you get into cultural, you get into Sila Bhattabharamasa again. But if you if you just recognize Sangha, this is Sangha that we're taking refuge in. Not in my being a monk, but in awareness. The four pairs, the eight kinds, the Sotapanna, Maga and Pala, the um, path and fruit of the path. So there's two, the four pairs, eight kinds. This is the Theravada style of, <laughs> of reflection. But this is not to be taken on Sakyaditi level. Not, uh, the, you know, seeing myself as, when, what am I a, Sotapanna Maga or Sotapanna Pala or a Sakadakami Maga or a Sakadam I'm known monks to do this. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> are you Maga or Pala or <laughs> and it's and it just reeks of Sakyaditi, doesn't it? It's just, it's, called, it's it's taking the the con the words and then applying it to the ego. You know, the ego grasps the, the terminologies. But the Sangha isn't, isn't Sakyaditi. So we're not taking refuge in Sakyaditi, but in awareness. And so the, these three refuges are, they're conventions, but they're meant to be helpful to us for awareness, not positions, not, not definitions, not doctrines that we cling to. So this is what I'm hoping to get across in the reflection is what Bhutto really is. You know, it's rea real. It's, it's not, it's not some, you know, the word itself is a word. So it has its limitation as a word. But it's pointing at this, the wake up awareness. Sakyaditi, the e is uh, translated into to ordinary English terms, usually the ego or sense of self. Well, then, uh, you know, it's, it's still I, Majan, Tomato, and so forth, the sense of self. But, but Puto is my refuge, not 
being uh, being this person. So then relating Puto is a reflective ability to know self as Anicca Dukkanata. Because myself, my personality changes according to conditions. You know, it's a, that's the way it is. The Sakyaditi is not, nothing permanent in it. You can't get to any kind of core essence to to one's personality that you can really depend on. It changes. It goes up and down according to people praise or blame or success or failure or feeling healthy or sick or whatever. There's so many conditions affecting how I personally feel in the present. You know, so changeable. But the awareness it has is a constant awareness of change rather than being just helpless victim of conditioned phenomena. Because otherwise, that's what it feels like. You know, the suffering, the duke of life is this feeling kind of helpless in this uh, vortex of changing conditions where you how much control do you have over it? Over your life, you know. Seems like one is kind of caught in this samsaric thing and it just, how much can you, you know, can you control it or protect yourself from the the fear that it generates, you know, so one can live in total neurotic uh, sakyaditi patterns, miserable life, even in the midst of wealth and abundance. So the, uh, the puto then is a refuge rather than Sakyaditi. Then we have, then we can see Sakyaditi. I know it. So when Sakyaditi starts moaning and groaning about things, there's knowing it. So long for poor tomatoes, we're not feeling very good today and grumbling about Puto. There's knowing. It's like this. Not to make a problem about saying I shouldn't grumble, I shouldn't complain, because then it becomes, then I feel guilty, and the sakyaditi just continues, gets more complicated. But it's, it's awareness of it, and no, no longer judging it, saying, say, you know, believing it, or saying, or feeling guilty about complaining, but recognizing it in terms of Dhamma. Conditioned phenomena rising, ceasing, and so that is that's the path. When we talk about the maga, or the machima Bhatibhata, this is the path. It's always here and now, very direct. Not something that you've got to find. It's just recognizing it. 